And they're all kind of jumping on at different times, depending on what's happening and what they're connecting with. And that's been really unique as well. They're getting to know people from different areas of the district. Welcome to season three of Create in Me. We're glad you joined us for these curious conversations about worship, about how we shape it and how we are shaped by it. Well, hello, Create Me listeners. You're here with uh, Rebecca Craver and Brian Dixon uh, for our Create Me podcast. We're happy to have you back for the conversation. And we're really pleased to have with us today the Reverend Cynthia Rader Geyer, Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministries for the Moravian Church Eastern District, Northern Province. Cynthia brings over 20 years of experience in parish ministry, uh, program leadership, camps and conferences. And full disclosure, uh, Cynthia and her husband, David, were my supervising pastors years ago when I was getting started in ministry uh, out at uh, First Moravian in Riverside, New Jersey. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Thanks. It's good to be with you today. (laughs) Those were good memories in Riverside. We had a lot of fun while we were there. Absolutely. Rebecca and I have been trying to to foster conversation around the theme of change, especially as we find ourselves facing so much change, uh, really seismic shifts and be inventive and creative as our church deals with a number of things. So we had talked a little bit about the idea of creating and sustaining online community as as many of our churches have had to shift to different kinds of online or, or digital presence uh, and fellowship. So wanted to get your thoughts, hear what you've been up to uh, uh, lately with that, and, and like I said, just see where the conversation takes us. We've been doing a lot of work with our youth and young adults in creating and sustaining that online community. You would think that the door was wide open and that we would have had the platforms all together, but in reality, a lot of our youth gather together for camp ministries and different retreats and rallies. With COVID, of course, we're not able to do that. We're not able to come together and uh, work on something in person. And so we've had to really shift gears. And what we've done is really tried to focus on making a welcome and warm space for our youth and young adults to gather. One of the first things we did was to check with our youth to see you know, what platforms do you guys like? How do you like to connect? And how do you stay connected um, from the time that you might gather on Zoom to the next time? So sometimes that's a week, sometimes that's a month. Listening to our youth and allowing them to lead the way was really, really very important. And that created a really compelling first impression for the youth. They felt as if they were in a leadership position right from the beginning is they were letting, leading the way as far as how we're going to go about this, how often we're going to go about this, and what type of things we might like to engage while we're together. So that was really a big step. And then I think what we tried to do was to encourage our youth and young adults to create their own space. So the platform that we went with is one that many churches use, and that's the Zoom platform. And so we asked them in their home to create a space that might have been an Ebenezer. That's a really old word, but basically it's, it's a, a small altar area and they could make anything they want. 
um, that reflected their time in ministry, their time in service, their time developing their faith. Each youth kind of developed their own Ebenezer. What we did was have a little Bible study on what that actually means. And we went back to the beginning and what does it mean to put together an Ebenezer? And then we talked about the hymn where you sing, here I lay my Ebenezer and nobody knows what that means. So they were learning as they went along. And, and that includes our, our leaders too. So for me, it would be easy just to sit at my desk and have the things that I normally have behind me. But when I work with the youth, I try to go to the place where I have my Ebenezer. It's a small spirit type place, something that grounds me in what I'm doing. And I change it up as I go along. So it's not always the same. So you can always have conversation around it. You see different things with the youth and young adults. And that kind of creates, it's almost like you're going to someone's house, but you're doing it virtually. Um, That was really quite unique as we started. Yeah, it kind of has the feel of like a, a digital treehouse. I, I just remember being a kid, uh-huh. and you, you know, you would find some junk in the woods. We, we stuck a, a wooden pallet up in the fork of a tree. We were like birds dragging things in and making a nest. We were the architects of that space, and it was our like clubhouse, our treehouse, our fort. I'm wondering if there's some, some parallels between, like I said, having the youth themselves determine some of the I guess, the contours of the space or rather than just, hey, it's ready made, kind of take it or leave it. But what what do you want in the space? And that seems really compelling. Yeah. And it it could just be, you know, their their bed, their head frame um, on their bed and they could just have a few things. And sometimes as they're changing things, we have conversation around, oh, look, you've put a new candle or you've put a new poem or something that's meaningful to each one. And it gives you more of a a connection with the youth and the youth are connecting themselves in more personal ways. So Mm. that's really helpful. I was just gonna say, what what gave you that idea? I mean, I think that is a, that's a lovely way to connect a digital experience to kind of a tangible embodied experience in their home. Like what was the thing that made you think about that? That was really cool. One of the things that I had read uh, when we first went into this COVID period was to have a space just for yourself. If you're working from home all the time, try to find a space that you can go and be centered. And so I have a space that I have a candle and I have some music and it's a place where I go to do um, what I call my sits every day. So about 20 minutes, just Mm -hmm. sitting in silence and sort of centering myself. And I thought, what would that look like if our youth and young adults did that? And it reminded me of um, a fellow clergy who actually um, did something like this in her house. So she had just a corner of the room and she had special things that helped her to focus and to relax and to just be present. And then thought, you know, I wonder what it would look like if the kids did this. So I just asked them. When I first started doing the Zoom, I would put up the different backgrounds that Zoom offers. And then I was taking pictures of camp and putting them up. And it just didn't feel connected. Mm -hmm. But when we started doing the rooms, it started to feel connected. And there was more conversation around what's going on in your world that brings you to whatever you've added to your altar. That was fun. And we also did some things where we sent things to the kids. So different boxes or bags of things at different times. And then they would put one time we did s'mores. So we sent graham crackers and marshmallows and chocolate and a small tea candle and a small little skewer. Mm-hmm. And so they could toast their marshmallow. Well, some of the kids didn't 
make a s'more, but they put it on their altar. And so they were remembering camp and the fun times that they had in camp and they left that there. You know, experience with one another, what made connecting with community so important and, and what are the things that we remembered, I think, was what brought us to that place. And then from there, we tried to find ways that we could connect with our youth and young adults uh, in between the times that we were coming together. The youth said, we just want to meet once a month. And there are three or four things that we would like to do. We would like to listen to some of the songs that we know. We would like to do a bit of a reflection. We want to do some small group things and we wanted to do something fun. And so we would do that once a month. But then how do you keep folks connected from that once a, once a month gathering to the next. Started to ask about different platforms that the kids were using, places where they could connect, Squarespace or Facebook, sometimes Snapchat, Twitter or Instagram. Um, and there's one called Podlet that I, I heard about, and that's a prayer wall. And it's like putting a post-it note on a prayer wall. It's a free app, and so the kids can all go there and put their post-it note on, and they can check and see what the other folks are asking for prayer for. And so that gave them a time to, to come together. And that one came out of, I heard about Podlet from our recent APSI gathering last year. That's the Association of Christian uh, Presbyterian Christian Educators. Someone there had suggested it. It just so happened in March of last year, we started meeting with the youth online and that came in really handy. But finding a way to keep the connection with the youth each week is really important. Um, so posting something out there. We've had some talks about Twitter and Instagram. That comes down to discussions as we meet with, with the groups as well. You know, there's a lot going on there. And some of our youth and young adults don't want to use those formats anymore, especially Twitter. So we've had to kind of shift as we go along. You know, Cynthia, I'm wondering if as you are building community, and I, I think of things like the rule of St. Benedict or the the Moravian Covenant for Christian Living. Have, have you found that the community that you've been working with, that, that you've been working to help build, ha, have those communities tended to want to establish some, I guess, some guidelines, some, some covenants of this is how we'll communicate with each other. This is what's acceptable and, and good. And, and this is out of bounds. You know, have they had to be any of that kind of conversation or... Absolutely. And it's something we revisit on a regular basis because we don't have the same people coming into the larger group once a month. You know, there are different folks. We have a basic outline of while we're here, we listen to one another. We're not sarcastic. Those kind of things that you would put together maybe at a, at a camp um, for small groups or um, cabin covenants. We've put things together. They also need to know that as we're meeting in Zoom, it's being recorded. I'm actually one of the only adults there. And so um, that puts me in a very precious position. And I want to make sure that all integrity across the board is really kept sacred. And so it's recorded. Now, I'm not going to use that recording for anything. It's just there in case. So if I need to go back or if someone says, we talked about something that the parent might have found inappropriate, I can say, well, I have a recording and we can go back and look at it and talk through it together. So there's a covenant. We walk through it each time we have our discussions. Everything is recorded so that we have a history of where what we've done and where we're going. The other piece as the 
convener or facilitator of the group, it's important for me to remember that I only need to speak 20% of the time. So whatever I'm planning, I only get that 20%. 80% needs to be youth and young adult led or games or, you know, something that they're reflecting on. As a pastor, I have lots of words that I want to say and lots of things that I would love to preach, but it's important to remember that this is their space and their time and we need to come together and it's holy ground and they need to be able to utilize that. So I keep a little post-it note on my computer that says 20% so that I'm constantly reminded, don't speak so much. <laughs> Let them um, lead the way. One of the things that's happened out of this is that we've been able to create some small groups. Several of them said, you know, we'd really like to do more Bible study and go deeper. And so I set up a Bible study group for those individuals. And that's really a lot of fun. And then there were others that said, we're into yoga. Is there a way that we can look at yoga and spirituality? I found someone who leads yoga and I brought them in and allowed them to do a small group. And so they can help walk them through yoga and spirituality. So thinking really what's important for our youth and allowing them to lead the way, what's important for them to talk about and how are they connecting? And those small groups are connecting with each other without doing anything. I don't have to do anything. So they're talking to each other and they're praying for each other and they're connecting with each other. That's really helpful in keeping our community together. We have several spiritual direction groups. We've got a group that meets just for prayer, Bible study. I love theology and film. And so we have one where we watch movies and then get together and talk about the movies and the theology that we see in them. And there was a group that was meeting. I don't know if they still are, but it's the car guys, gals group. They all love cars. And then what does it mean to walk in your Christian faith as you're, you know, working on your car and as you're talking about all the different cars that you love? And we have a young adult kind of leading that. And I just touch base with them from time to time and things move forward. Kind of fun. It, it allows them to lead as well as to follow and be in small groups. It strikes me that in traditional kind of community, you know, when we see each other on a regular basis, that this is also happening. Smaller groups peel off and do their things that support them and their interests and the connections that they have with one another, but that it's almost more obvious in digital community because you have to set it up. You have to plan, you know, because we're not just running into each other. We're not just at camp moving off into the groups that we're in. I'm interested in how you have found your role in sort of helping those groups to move ahead and move forward, but you're not actually able to facilitate or be with all of those groups at one time. So what's it, what's it like for you to know that those things are happening? Has it changed the way that you're, you interact with those groups or do you feel like it's pretty much the same as it was before with, with the groups that we're, we're meeting in person? There's a lot mm-hmm. of faith because I'm handing it off to somebody else. You know, I like all my ducks in a row and I like to be able to see what's going on. So what I try to do is to connect with the leader, uh, the volunteer leader of the group and talk with them about where things are going, how, what they've been talking about, if they need any resources, how I might be able to help them connect. It's difficult to just jump in to a small group if I am not facilitating Mm -hmm. it really puts a different spin on the small groups. So I try more to speak with the volunteer who's overseeing it and bringing them together. And, you know, there's a lot of trust. 
they're recording their small groups as they're meeting and they're keeping those files so that if we ever need to go back and check, we can. But for the most part, it's gone very well. I really like the group that talks about hot topics. We've used the information that was put out for small groups around racism and conversations around racism. There are 10 points for how to come together and to talk. And so that's always talked about in our large group. And then the volunteers who oversee those, some of the smaller groups use that as well. How you come together, what you talk about, um, how you honor each other in conversation, how you agree to disagree. If there were any difficulties, then I might jump in, but I haven't found any so far. Let's pray that that yeah, that's continues. great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> One of the things that we talk about with the leaders of some of the small groups is that we're not going to reach everybody. We need to rejoice in those who are there. That's really hard because there are some times when you go for a small group and there's only one or two other people there, or sometimes when no one comes for the volunteer leaders to help encourage them as they go along is really important. Have you run into any issues around, I don't know, privacy, modesty? I, I, I found with like our confirmation class there was one class where nobody wanted to have their microphones on. And, and I know some people are odd about the way their voice sounds, but what, at one point the class was like, nobody would even turn their cameras on. And I had done some reading up on that and looking into that and, you know, kids either feeling, you know, embarrassed about their room or not wanting their peers to, you know, it, just stuff like that. How do you create kind of a safe, a safe enough place where people, or like you say, like you're saying, or maybe you prepare the space and this is what you want to share. This is what you want to allow people to look into about your space, your life, you know, to kind of curate that a little bit, be aware of what's going to be on camera. It seems like there's a, a little bit of vulnerability and you had said trust as there is to building any kind of community with, with other people. Of course, doing these kind of things online mean you don't have to turn your mm -hmm. camera on. You don't have to turn the microphone on. And so there are some youth that I get the feeling that their parents have said, you need to do this. So they're jumping on for the larger group meeting, but they're really not that interested. We've done a couple of different things. One of the things we did was a uh, fishbowl. And so we'll name three to five of the group who are in the fishbowl and they leave their microphone and their camera on the entire time. They're on the spot for, for that particular gathering or that particular game or discussion. Um, and then that rotates. And you can kind of tell when some of the youth aren't interested, when they've stopped paying attention, they're not really engaged. And so this also, if we're moving from one segment to the next, to be able to say to them, okay, we're changing the fishbowl and then name up some different people. We also try to keep things really brief. The longest section in the large group gathering is 20 minutes at least for our small group gathering. So, and we try to keep those groups fairly small, four to five people. So everybody gets a chance to talk and it's more of an intimate setting. And those I do jump into. I just sort of go from group to group so that I can see and hear what's going on as they're talking about it. The other thing is to prep folks. So. As we're sending things out during the week, we might say, you know, as we're going to gather next month, we're going to talk about racism. And here are some of the guidelines. Or we want you to bring a story. We want you to tell us a story or bring your story about a time you felt anxious. 
the youth and young adults are prepped. And I think that's helpful too, even for worship, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to do communion for worship, if you let your parishioners know you're going to do communion, so bring something to drink and something to eat that can be consecrated, that's important for them to know before they sit down for the worship service. Same kind of thing, prepping people and getting them involved. And it's a different type of facilitating for groups, recognizing when to stop and when to try to include them, how to use your open-ended questions, and being okay with the fact that sometimes they're just not going to say anything. It strikes me as making it very hard to do that 20% to not talk more than 20% if they're also being very quiet. You know, I mean, it's hard enough, like when people are in a space, even if you are prepared to say, you know, like preparing them, say like, we're going to have a lot of silence. You know, if you don't want to speak, that's okay. We'll just kind of be in the silence together. But, you know, many of our folks in the Raven Church are not, we're not Quakers. We do not have that practice in us of the silence. And online, I find that silence it's still needed. And so it's interesting to, to hear you talk about this and to think about the different ways that we give space for silence, but also keep it comfortable enough that people know they can interject or, or be a part of that. So that's got to be a fine line to walk. Good on you, Cynthia. I think that would be very difficult for me. It is a tough line to walk and to be able to laugh about it too is mm-hmm. so important. My husband will say to me, how did your time with the youth go? And mm-hmm. I just sigh. Because it was just, it was like pulling teeth and I just you couldn't get anybody to talk and half of them looked like they were doing something else. And that may be true if they were mm-hmm. in person, like if we gathered them together for a retreat and you're talking about a Bible study or you're telling, sharing a story, some of them are zoned out, you know, they're looking at their phones, they're not paying attention, they're thinking about, you know, what they're going to do with their free time, kind of got to go with it and just be there for when they're ready to talk, I guess. I have some things that I keep in the background too. The camp songs that I had, and I've recorded some in the past years when we've been at camp. And so I'll actually, if things get really deadly, I'll just throw up a song, you know what I mean? And, and then I'll say, let's all dance to the song. And um, we play the song with the kids singing it at the camp. And then we do all kinds of fun dances on the side. Or I'll just say, you know what, let's play some games having a really good resource for games is important. And and there are lots of those. There's the Kahoot and the Mad Libs and the Family Feud and the Doodle and the uh, Virtual Escape Rooms, Griblio and Scavenger Hunts. There's also a wonderful resource, Digital Youth Ministry, where you can pick up games inexpensively and they're all done online and they're done very well, like computer games. And all the kids can play together. You can put it right into your Zoom or your PowerPoint. And it costs maybe $3 a game. So if you had a couple of those in the background, you can just pull them up and use them. We have game nights, digital game nights with friends, you know, kind of far and wide. Really has made a difference. Like when we kind of figured out how to do that, just having some time Mm -hmm. to feel sort of social was a great benefit, you know, mental health wise to dealing with the pandemic. And I can only imagine that youth are feeling the loss of that social life, maybe even more than the older ones of us, because their lives are so social, you know, like they're in school, that is a social environment, you know, like we go to work, but a lot of us, maybe we go to work in an office, and we can be social, but we don't have to be thinking about school and um, even university, like, part of that experience is not the education piece it's not the class you take, but it's the social aspect of being together and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. learning to build your own communities. I think it's great to hear different ways that you're 
you're figuring out to support their community building. Cause it's not just about the content that we study, but it's also just about time spent together, enjoying something at the same time. You know, I think a lot of us are missing, you know, just having that, that common experience of something is. I agree. That's a big piece. One of the things that we've noticed is that there are more and more youth who are shy. Well, shyness creates us a a mirror looking into ourselves. And so the more we look into ourselves and are by ourselves, the shyer we get. And so not being in community really creates difficulty for our youth and young adults who are just learning how to move out of shyness, you know, to own who they are and to speak about what's going on for them. The games really gives them an opportunity, brings them together. And then if we can move from a game to a small group discussion where they can talk with each other and listen to each other, it's really very helpful. The other thing that's been helpful in this is because we're not doing camps in the different regions, all different regions of the Eastern District are now coming together. So we have folks from our New York churches and from Ohio churches and from our Um, Pennsylvania and Washington, D.C. churches, and they're all kind of jumping on at different times, depending on what's happening and what they're connecting with. And that's been really unique as well. They're getting to know people from different areas of the district. And that was a little uncomfortable when we started because the Camp Hope folks knew each other and the Tar Hollow folks knew each other and the New York folks knew each other, but they didn't Mm -hmm. ever cross over. Here was this opportunity to really get to know each other. And so now we have some that have come together in small groups, really building community and a wider base. I mean, without COVID that you're right, that probably wouldn't have ever happened. Nope. And here we are again with our camps mostly being canceled. Camp Hope has decided not to do week-long camps again this year. So that won't happen. And most of our mission opportunities that are open to the entire district or to the province, they're not going to happen this year either. So there's really little opportunity except when they come online and they can see each other. Bring community together in that way and to listen to one another's stories and to really hear one another. There's been some real positives. There's been some real challenges, but there's been some real positives with this as well. I think you can expand this and use this for all types of communities, um, whether it's in your local congregation or if you have community where your church is and you want to reach out in a variety of ways. These are all ways that you can come together online. One of the jumping off points now is there is a group that wants to talk about social justice and what we can do um, to bring justice and understanding to our communities. And this is with folks that are not only in the Eastern District, but uh, across the province. So what would it look like if we had a group that meant that talked about the different ways that we might step forward and lead as Christians or follow as Christians to bring about a a broader table so that all could be part. We're in the process of praying about that and looking at what that might look like and how we might facilitate that. Well, that's one of the questions I think I'm sitting with. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how do you feel that the things that we're doing now, the things that we're learning, the modifications we're making, how do you feel that those things that we're learning now are going to impact the way we do church when this is all over? Is there something about this that is actually, is an improvement, is an enrichment, is a third way 
that probably wouldn't have occurred to us without being in the situation we're in. It's not that this is all just stopgap and that once COVID's over, let's go back to doing everything exactly the way we used to. Like, what are the things that you feel we're discovering in the midst of this that will impact the way we do worship, the way we do pastoral caregiving and community, the way we, the way we do church? <laughs> I'm, I'm processing as you're asking the question. And one of the things that came to mind was that with our camp ministries, with our youth and young adults, at least, for many of them, that was their church and that was their church community. They may have held membership in our local congregations, but truly the way that they participated and came together and worshiped and supported one another was through that camp community. Yeah. Coming around the computer or to using a social media platform to gather has changed that. It's not just a once a year or twice a year type of gathering. They're able to see each other more and they're able to integrate their faith more fully in their daily walk. It's also more interactive. I, I see as we're gathering together that people in all the regions, youth and young adults in all the regions are experiencing the same thing. They're able to post prayers for one another and pray with one another and text each other. They have the information now that they can get connected. Uh, the challenge there is that it almost feels like a church, but it doesn't fit into the format of church according mm -hmm. to the book of order. How do we, I mean, we can continue to go in, in this fashion, but then how do we take those next steps to acknowledge that these are worshiping, uh, fully participating, leading members within the Moravian Church? That's both a blessing and a challenge. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a point in the life of the church where our church will predominantly be made up of people who right now are going through their formative years, spiritually, in terms of adolescence, you know, development of their, their personalities, their worldview. Mm -hmm. They're just really finding out where their heart's at. And yes, there will be a, a season in the life of the church where it is made up predominantly of these youth and young adults now you know, who I hope will, will age into, grow into, take up the mantle of, we are the leadership of the church. We are the church. I mean, they are the church now. Like I don't subscribe to that. You know, they're the church of the future. Like you, you are the church every bit Agreed. fully now. The camp thing is interesting because that was new to me coming into the church a little later in life, certainly within the Moravian system, seeing how our churches, yes, we're absolutely church were, and it felt like a, a, a monastic kind of pilgrimage for these young adults. They, they okay, we're mm -hmm. cloistered together here at Camp Hope or Mount Morris, where we, we're on a pilgrimage, we're fasting, we're studying, we're praying, like all the classic spiritual disciplines. And I, I've been really thinking a lot lately about the concept of, of digital monasticism. Like we are all in our individual prayer cells and we are community in new ways. And yeah, there's distance between us, but there's a real I think sometimes there's a very intense singularity of purpose. I mean, I, I'm witnessing this with uh, a couple of uh, groups that meet online for prayer uh, regularly throughout the week. I feel like there's some people who really, that online worship is really clicking for them. It, it, it's happening, whatever we call it, like mm -hmm. what's happening is what's happening. And whether we make sense of it or not and try to get out ahead of it, it this is where we are. And like you said, it's, it's a shared experience. Yeah, I can't even get my head around kind of the implications of 
what it may mean to us in the future, but it's, it's interesting to look at what it's meaning to us now is we really crave social interaction, fellowship, community, communion, support. Like I'm finding there's people who are maybe realizing they had taken those things for granted from a faith perspective Mm -hmm. and are just like, I really do enjoy, you know, hearing from speaking with praying for my church family. I keep thinking about the fact that as Moravians, we're all about community, 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 community. And I don't think that's ever going to go anywhere. If tomorrow COVID would end and we opened everything back up, I think that there's still going to be ways that we will come together in personal community. But I don't think that digital community is going to go anywhere because there are folks that really are connected in that way to think about what it looks like a year from now, when we've all been vaccinated, what, what does it mean for those who remain online? And what does it mean for their faith journey? And how do we see them as members? H- how do we do that as a denomination? Uh, these are questions, you're right, that you need to kind of look at now and sit with now, because I don't think it's going anywhere. It will be there. And then how do we help the community that's in person and the community that's online to know that they are one? that they're all at the same table mm-hmm. together. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a challenge. And I, I, I wonder if the challenge is more that we as a church, as an institution are used to sort of believing it as our job to, to give permission or to condone something, you know, to say, Oh, this is church or this is not church. COVID mm-hmm. has given us an opportunity to do is to hold that more lightly, to discover mm-hmm. what is it that worship looks like? What is it that we need as communities of faith that have very distinct ways of gathering? If we are able to still hold lightly, even after things are opening up and we're able to do more of what we were used to doing, why is it that we need to make a decision hard and fast immediately about what is or is not going to change? Like, well, how do, how do we keep these things that are good? What part of when COVID ends means you have to stop all this. Where in our psyche has that come from? Where in our institution has it come from that as soon as we can do everything the same way, we should you know, return to it without like this reflective piece to say, you know, like some of this stuff that we've learned, we want to keep. There's going to be a tension there because the drive to be together in person is going to be so intense. It almost feels like the spiritual discipline of just sort of holding those things together. And let's just see what continues not to overwhelm people and say, well, okay, now pastors, you have to do twice the things that you were doing. The value of having youth throughout the Eastern district connecting to each other in ways that they never have before. Like it just seems illogical to just cut that off and say, you know, that was just for this time. Some small groups, they take off and they do their own thing. You know, I think about, uh, you know, Moravian church without walls. They started that as university students as a way to maintain connection between, Mm -hmm. you know, their camp friendships over the year, whenever they were all spread out everywhere, you know, that has developed and grown and changed over the years. If people are doing things, if they're connecting, why would I work to stop that? Why not work to, to see where I can support that? And, you know, when we've been talking about change, so much of it has been focused on like, how do we deal in the midst of the change? And, and now we're sort of moving out and starting to think about like, okay, we've experienced change. What are we going to do with that change whenever mm-hmm. it's no longer quote unquote necessary? I, I agree totally. And, and as you're speaking, I'm thinking about where is God calling us? 
I don't think it's back to where we were. There's something new that's coming. And, and it's going to be a hybrid of what we knew and what we're experiencing now. What is the most faithful decision for the future of our community? And it doesn't look the same for everybody, does it? It's, it's a little bit different. And so we need to be open to that. When you say hold it lightly, that's so important. We need to really be thinking about that and moving forward. One of the authors that I've been reading recently is Bruce Reyes Chow. And he's talking about the Church of Tomorrow. And he has excellent resources online. And his most recent work really talks about imagining and dreaming about the future. So much has changed. And we're kind of in the midst of that. And so to be able to just sit there and say, okay, Mm -hmm. we can really do anything. You know, we can go anywhere. So where is God calling us? What is it that will continue to help us move forward as the community of Christ? You know, the human capacity for change is tremendous, but our imagination can so easily be made small so that any change is terrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, how many of you got married or had children or changed jobs? You understand that you lived through a tremendous change in your life there. And you have skills that helped you get through that. And those skills are applicable in the community of faith where you are, you know, but making that bridge can sometimes be the hardest part, convincing people like you actually know how already to do this. Isn't that what the church is always Mm -hmm. doing with disciples? We're always preparing Mm -hmm. and equipping for whatever is next. And yet we think that we can't, or we're so surprised when things go well. And yet we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We're following and being open and really trying to understand what God is calling us to. I think you're so right. Yeah. And that's that's so, it's so helpful to hear you talking about youth who are kind of taking on what they need. And even at the beginning, when you said, you know, you, you didn't go in assuming that you had the best idea for how to make this work from the beginning it was a community effort to say like what what do we need what can we use what works best for us it's so easy not to do that to just come in and say hey i have a great idea this is what we're going to do and run with it without doing that you know hey what do you think where do you what do you need what's happening for you and especially for our youth and young adults our young adults especially um allowing them to take that on in a leadership role So if they really have a great idea to say, go ahead and run with that, I'll support you. I'll, I'll be there if you need me to, I'll walk alongside whatever, but you know, if you really want to do that, let's find a way, let's figure it out. And that gives them a lot of courage, I think, Mm -hmm. and a lot of self-confidence. The worst thing can happen is it doesn't work. And then we try something else. You know, that's life. That's what we do. And as disciples of Christ, we're always being prepared for that. One of the things that Brian was talking about earlier on was, is there a a format or expectations? And one of the things that's in my mind as we gather is to always have the people gather, pay attention to the people around them. So to the other people that are there. And so a lot of times I'll ask the question, what are you going to contribute today? So what are you going to share? And then what are you learning or what did you learn? So at the end, I might say to them, so what are you taking home with you from our time together? So it always encourages them to really think about the other people. And sometimes I think 
they call each other out. When you're online, you see someone who's really not connecting. And then you see the little, a little chat has come up on the Zoom because you can see them looking really close and reading it and maybe smiling. So someone's saying something to them. So being aware of your surroundings. And isn't that what we do when we're in person with each other? We, we kind of read the room. We look at people, kind of know what's happening. If somebody hasn't spoken, we encourage them to speak. And so encouraging our youth and young adults to do that is also, I think, an important piece and to help them know that they have as much leadership mm-hmm. of the time together as I do. Absolutely. Important. I mean, that's just some of the things that are going on um, with our youth and adults and some things that we're looking at in the future. And so we're looking at the social justice youth group for across our country to try to build bridges and connect with each other and to really take on some of the challenges that our country is dealing with right now. And the other one is we started with the Ebenezer piece where they make their own little altar in their space and they change it up. And so what would it look like if our youth and young adults then challenge their faith communities wherever they are to do a prayer station as a public witness outside of their church. So it could be, you know, putting a table out with a wash line and clothespins. And as people are walking by the church, they could write a prayer and hang it up on the wash line, prayer flag station, or it might be a hand washing station. So as people are washing their hands, if they're in a a park near the church, there might be a prayer that they can say, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a Christian prayer. It can be a Hindu prayer, a Muslim prayer, or it could be a prayer for peace in the community, a variety of things. So we're kind of looking at that as the next thing. So now that the youth has kind of experienced that themselves, how can they take it to their own community and build out in the community as well in, in their local towns? So yeah. you can pray for that. That Absolutely. would be a wonderful thing if you guys pray. <laughs> that's that's the next thing we're kind of looking at it's great to hear that you know this online community lots of critique is like well how can you have community online and I think it's just recognizing that where we where we gather is not the thing it's how where how what we do when we gather impacts our daily discipleship our walk with Jesus in the world where we live and so it's really cool to hear you talk about you know helping make those connections and really thinking intentionally about about where and how you can, you can have an impact with the youth. So that's great. So thank you for your work, everything that you do and for all your leaders who have made it, have made this their thing too. That's great. There are so many, Uh, I don't do this alone and our youth and young adults and those who have aged out who are now in leadership positions are really take time and energy to be with our, our, with one another and and encourage each other. So that's important as well. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Create and We Worship. If you have questions, thoughts, or ideas you'd like to share with us, email us at moraviancreateandme at gmail.com. A special thanks to David Melby Gibbons, Rachel Marie, and John Robinson for our theme music. Check them out at Dust of the Saints on Facebook and rachelmarie.com. As always, keep on creating.